Club Talk Radio. Well, good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. Uh, tonight, our topic is understanding the incredible sophistication of Paul's anthropology. Now, <clears throat> this is a vast subject, and so I'm going to highlight some aspects of, of Paul's uh, theology, that is his anthropology, so that we will get <clears throat> a real understanding as to the nature uh, of his message. Uh, First of all, let me uh, give God praise for his uh, his wonderful grace. God is good every day, moment by moment. Uh, I depend upon his grace. And uh, I am thankful that God taught me to lean on his grace. And it's important that as excuse me, as believers uh, in the Lord, that one learns not to lean upon uh, one's own understanding because it is frail and uh, ultimately uh, it is devoid uh, of godly thinking and holding on to a godly attitude in the devil's world. And I understand that the environment is demonic, and I know that the environment is demonic. I see what's going on around me. I see what's happening in my my immediate life. Uh, And nothing is by chance. Um, These things... Uh, were brought into our lives by God. And God is testing us to see if we will lean on grace, excuse me, or lean upon our own understanding. Will we trust him? Is is your walk a faith walk, or do you walk by, by what you see? That is your own understanding. So when we lean upon the Lord, uh, we will relieve ourselves of so much anxiety and worry when we learn to trust him by faith and to believe uh, that God, if God is for us, who can be against us? One of the failures uh, that we read in the Old Testament with regard to the people of God is that uh, from experience to experience, they carried no faith history with them. In other words, uh, whenever they found themselves in a new situation, they would not reflect upon or think back to the reality that God had delivered them from what they faced in the past. And so, therefore, 
uh, he is able to deliver them for what they face in the present. That message never became real in their lives. And so as a result, in, uh, when, we study this, uh, when we study salvation history in the Old Testament, we see the constancy of God. We see uh, his attitude toward his people. And when he would deliver them to what they wanted, and they got what they wanted, then God's people did not want what they got. So we read in the book of Judges how uh, they would fall into sin and then be under a a very oppressive reign, and then they would cry out to God again. Isn't that interesting how they knew uh, to cry out to God, and God would send a deliverer. He sent the champions. We call them the judges, but they were the champions sent of God. This is his grace. This is the love of God. And understand the integrity of God, that uh, when his people did not love him or demonstrate his love toward them, uh, he was constant because he loved them. He loved them when they went off uh, into idolatry and when they went off into heinous types of worship, he loved them. He disciplined them, mind you, and they lost a lot through divine discipline, but his love never failed. And understand that about, I want you to understand that about God's love for us too. And this is why we're going to look I'm going to start in Galatians. Then we're going to go to the book of Romans, uh, where uh, Paul will talk at length about uh, dakausune, that is righteousness, the the righteousness of God that has been imputed to us through Jesus Christ. I want to start in Galatians chapter 1, uh, after a word of prayer. So let us pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for this opportunity to study your word. We ask to be guided by the Spirit, who is the author of the Scriptures. And we pray, Father, that there are no unconfessed sins in our hearts so that we can receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So <clears throat> Galatians uh Let's see. We're going to look at first. We're going to look in Galatians chapter one, uh, chapters one, two, and three. Um, so it begins in a very Paul has an interesting introduction. He writes, "Quote Paul, an apostle, set not from men, nor by man." I love that. That that is very important. And so as we go on uh, to read his letter to the Galatians, we will see a different anthropology. He was not sent or sent one by man nor by man. Now, before his salvation, Paul had been sent by man. He had been sent by the Sanhedrin Council to cause havoc and ruin and persecute 
uh, and destroy the people of God. He was sent to destroy those of the way. One of the first designations of our faith, those of the way, the hodas, the road. And so here we have his post-salvation testimony. Paul is now a, a new being in Christ. He is now a new creation in Christ. Saul sent by the Sanhedrin Council to ruin the church. Paul, the apostle, is has been sent by God to evangelize Europe, to evangelize the West. That is to herald uh, the good news of salvation. So now he he has enemies. Uh, his those who for, uh, who had sent him out in the past uh, and who championed him now want him dead and now persecute him. They now pursue him because he is now the main proponent of the way. So Paul, filled with the Spirit, and sent not from man nor by man. Now, parenthetically, Jesus talked about those who build their lives upon the rock, which is himself, and those which build their lives upon sand. Jesus knew, Paul knew, that we become what we behold. If I build my life upon the words of men or human viewpoint thinking, then I have built my life upon sand. Sand shifts, and sand can be blown away. If my life is built upon the rock that is Jesus, then my life my house will abide. Now, people come in many forms, many different situations come into your house, into one's house, <clears throat> to create havoc and ruin. God builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. And over the years, I have met many people who have tried to invite ruin into my home. And I knew from the beginning that my home had to be built upon the solid rock of Jesus. And that is why I gave my life to the Lord fully and without hesitation because I knew what would come and who would come and their, uh, and their charms and their words and their attitudes and their fake subtleties thinking that I don't know what's going on. But I always know what's going on because of the Spirit of God. You will always know what's going on too because the Spirit will give you discernment. Set not from man nor by man. Then he goes on after the comma, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me. He was sent by Jesus. And so 
this man will write in Second Corinthians says, "Any man in Christ, new creation, old things—that is, the old, worn-out things, useless things—are passed away. Not merely former things, but the old, worn-out things, the old, worn-out attitudes, old, worn-out thinking." <clears throat> This is Paul's anthropology. He says, and all things have become, he writes in, all, in the Greek, all things have become fresh to remain so because they are eternal. The writer to the book of Hebrews states that uh, God is shaking the foundation and only that which is eternal will remain. There, is a, there will be the shaking of the foundations. God will move in uh, into a believer's life And he will shake your foundations And only that Which is eternal will remain He will shake out selfishness He will shake out uh, Ruin He will shake out uh, Just uh, Malignant selfishness He will shake the foundations Because God is going to Come in and he's going to change uh, this This world is going to disappear this stuff will disappear. It will be gone. And only that which uh, belongs to the eternal environment will remain. In the book of Daniel, we read about a stone cut out of the mountain without hands that will destroy the nations of the world. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be focused upon the temporal? And the lies that are associated with the temple, you don't want that. You don't want that. You want to be with Jesus Christ, who will one day take his throne, and he will judge the nations. And the sheep will be on his right, and the goats will be on his left. And he will say to those on his left, depart from me your curses into everlasting fire. He will say to the sheep, into ye into the kingdom of my father. Where do you want to be? So, verse three: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins. So we have the historic substitutionary death of Christ. Not for his own sins, he is impeccable. He is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Oh, Paul is writing in the first century A.D. And we are part of that age. So, the message of salvation is a message of rescue. According to the will of God and Father, the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, he writes to the Galatians, quote, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ 
and are turned to a different gospel, which is not re- which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some are throwing you into confusion <clears throat> and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Now, you see Paul's anthropology? There is no partisanship in Paul's heart on the part of man. He is God's man. He is God's sent one, period. For me to live as Christ, or for me to live Christ to die again, that's Paul's stand. This is where he stands, upon the rock of Jesus. He will not bend to the will of men. He will not bow to the authority of the Roman emperor. And he will go before Nero, who will condemn him to be executed. And it is Nero who beheaded the Apostle Paul. But later on, the centurion guard lead uh, they uh, they lead a coup against Nero, and uh, the the hideous Nero is destroyed in a forest. See, whatsoever one sows, that one that one shall also reap. And Nero did horrendous things to believers because they would not be a part of the cult of emperor worship. And so believers were called atheists. They were atheists. So these uh, believers at Galatia, and we believe that there are a group of churches, that this, we believe that this was a circular letter. Um, the Judaizers had come in to ruin their faith. And so uh, Paul writes, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than that which you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of man or of God? You see how this sustained emphasis upon this dichotomy. Uh, it is either or. We are either uh, involved with humanistic thinking, philosophy, psychology, behavior, actions, or we're on the side of the Lord. And this dichotomy is presented in the Old Testament as well. Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? Because man calls up, man will call us into compromise. Theologies, religions, churches call us into compromise. Now, I know I was part of a, a, a particular a denomination, and I went to a denominational seminary, and I know what they did when, with men when they compromised themselves uh, with, with women. They would just move them around. They would move them around. Or they would cover it up. 
and some very terrible things happened, you know, to the seminary president and his family when I was there. Listen, man, that exposure is amazing. And I've seen some things up close and personal. What happens, you know, when, when men walk in compromise with God? You can't afford it. You know, and the Lord has become Lord of one's organs and one's thinking. So Paul writes in verse am I now trying to win the approval of men? And Jesus talked about those. He talked about the Pharisees and their approbation lust. They taught the doctrines of men. They, they didn't want God's approval. They, 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 they wanted the praise of men. The Bible tells us, cursed is a man that trusts in an arm of flesh. Cursed. Cursed. To see if I'm surrounded by people in compromise, where are they going to teach me? Where am I going to learn as I watch their lives? I'm going to learn compromise. This is going to be cute. It's going to be glad-handed, and uh, it's going to be laughter and superficial gaiety. But when what happens? What does God see? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, beholding the good and the evil. Paul's anthropology is of divine origin. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. I saw a video on YouTube the other day, and it read, well, who is Jesus? That was the title of this video. Who is Jesus? You know, over the years, uh, man, the Jesus seminar and and people, you know, attempting to <clears throat> rewrite the the New Testament documents and try to decide on the words of Jesus uh, and you think that they don't have access to uh, the primary documents. No one does. We have manuscripts. We don't have the autographs from the original writings from the apostles. We don't. We have manuscripts. We have manuscripts that are highly reliable. And so we know uh, that because of their reliability, we know the authenticity of the message that we teach. The thing about this message, it is, it is the truth. Now, I can, if I am not living the truth I teach, then my life is hollow. And I can always tell when I'm listening to a hollow message. I don't have to say anything. I just watch. Because over time, and time will tell, there's rottenness or there's reality. Or you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. So, how intensely I persecuted the church of God, and I tried to destroy it. 
I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the tradition of my fathers. So he tells you who he is. And I love a man like that who will tell you who he is and what God has done for him, where God has brought him from. I am wary of the perfect plastic people who hide where they have come from. No, you weren't always here. You have to come you had to come from somewhere. And Paul is not ashamed to tell you where he has come from. He tells you who he was. And so, verse 15, but when God, when God, who set me apart from birth, when did did God call him? At birth. Well, Paul went through some things. When did God call Moses? And then we see how God providentially directed his the the parents of Moses and his sister. They built an ark for him. The same word that's used in Genesis in for the ark. The same the same word. They built an ark for Moses. And they launched it, and it just so happens that the waters pushed that ark into the direction of Pharaoh's daughter. Just so happens she was bathing, and she was with her maids, and uh, Moses was drawn out of the water. Just so happens. God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before me. He didn't say above me. He said before me. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. For years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter. Notice, uh, where did he go? I went to Arabia. What did he do in Arabia uh, when Paul went to into Arabia? Notice, this man had uh, he had legal training, had a, so he had a super mind, a super brain. He could understand legal minutia. He was an expert with legal reasoning. He's an extraordinary genius. And God took that genius legal mind, and God <clears throat> used that training that Moses, that, that Paul received. God used that, that training. And when one reads the gospel, the, the, the letters of Paul in great detail, what does one read? In the Greek, one sees Paul will take a Greek word, he will add, sometimes add, two, three, and four prefixes to a word in order to convey the message of what it means to be in Christ. And it, it is really chilling. It is really provocative and 
fascinating to read the depths and to read the tenses, the voices, and just to read just what this man, how he understood Jesus Christ. How does one understand Paul easily? How does one get an easy understanding of Paul? One doesn't. You have to get in there, and you have to be dedicated. And it will take years of dedication and prayer and study. Then you will get insight because the Holy Spirit will allow you to have insight into the Spirit-inspired Word. But you have to decide, do I want to follow out of my flesh? Or do I want the Lord? Do I want to know Jesus? Paul wrote that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Honestly, I don't understand that language. I am still working on it. That I might know him. And the power of his resurrection being conformable unto his death. I know what the Greek word means. I know what some interpreters have said. I know what some of the best commentaries have written about it. But I don't know. It is through prayer. It is through perseverance. What is he, what is he talking about? Being made conformable unto his death? Paul had completely abandoned the nonsense of people and their stuff because he knew these things were not everlasting. He says, He writes, turn away from the temporal. Turn away from the temporal. And what happens when one turns away from the temporal? Guess what happens to one's neurons? Guess what happens to one's what happens to one's heart? They become the Holy Spirit does an incredible work in that individual's life because you've given up the stuff. That doesn't last. Many believers struggle today because they're they're trying to walk in that uh, that false life between the flesh and the spirit, the sargs and the pneuma. It doesn't work. Jesus wrote, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. What kind of hybrid would it be? I am a Sarks Numa believer. You never find such a gross term in the writings of the New Testament. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a carnal spiritual believer. No. No, you're not. Sure, in the New Testament, what a term psychology is used. 
and it is used in a very unflattering manner for carnal believers. They're the, they, they live psychological lives and live uh, spiritual lives. The spiritual ones are called pneumaticoi, the spiritual ones. Sarkinoi are those who, who, who are uh, given to the flesh. They don't grow up. So Paul's anthropology is very distinctive and purposeful. So um, he goes on, he says, and then after three years in verse 18, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. And I love, read the, read the, uh, the letter of James. Man, oh man, he's, he's amazing. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. I love that language. When one gets serious with God, lies is no longer one's refuge. One doesn't have to lie. There's no need to it. I know some believers, before they were saved, they would lie when uh, they didn't have to. And some believers, they lie because what? It is just right there. It's spontaneous. It's It's just a way of being for them. Why? Is miserable. There's no happiness. And if you are a believer, you know, there's a, we have a we have conscience and your conscience will beat you up if you're really true. I mean who who wants that kind of burden? And so Paul this letter to the Galatians, uh, he deals with the lawless ones. And then, but it's not only about the, about the law, about lawlessness and the lawless ones. He deals with, uh, with freedom, eleutheria, freedom, independence. Eleutheros means unfettered, independent. One capable of movement, the free one, Eleutheros. That's the word for freedom here. Look, in in chapter 2, Paul Paul writes, This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. See that? They came to, and there are over the years of people who come to spout your freedom because they want you in bondage. Well, and oh, they will invite me over, and we're gonna have the fellowship. And well, I want to see what Josiah knows. I want to see what's going on with him. And as if the spirit of God uh, is waiting at the door for me to come out of that house, as if the spirit of God does not go in there in that house with me. Oh. Uh, to be in the presence of this individual or, or this group. The Spirit of God isn't at the door. I mean, the Spirit of God is always there with me. I love my relationship to the Lord. I love my fellowship. I love my koinonia. We have joint things in common. I never enter into any room alone. 
I don't walk through my day like that. I don't want a day like that. I have no idea how many events or situations on a daily basis, a weekly basis, monthly basis, yearly basis that the Lord has saved me. I have no idea. I have no idea how often on a daily basis he has saved me. Or members of my family, my immediate family, my wife, my children, my grandchildren. I don't know. Fellow believers. But I know he recently saved my brother. My brother and his wife were in their car. They were stopped. And someone was dealing with a cell phone and hit them in the rear. And they, my brother is only alive today and his wife is only alive today because of the Spirit of God. Because that car that they were in was hit hard from the rear. And even today in my life, I had a Corey Tin Boone experience. I know he's real. I don't want to live a lie. God's too good to me. So Paul wrote, they came out to spy out our freedom in verse five of chapter two. He writes he wrote he writes, We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. Paul was not going to give in to them. They wanted to overthrow his spiritual life so they could have success. But we're just going to leave you this little magazine. We're just going to leave you this little green book. Well, we just want to come in and pray with you. Well, we've been in his neighborhood knocking on doors. Paul suffered in his body physically for his faith. He suffered. And he the, the writings were produced in situ, in his ministry. He did not write because he was given a grant by a university or a seminary or a college. He wrote through the inspiration of the Spirit. The Spirit moved him. The Spirit bore him along. And he wrote down... Uh, these fantastic thoughts through the power of the Spirit on our behalf. I've been on this road too long. I want to see it through to the end. And I know the end is, is the beginning because we're going to be in the kingdom. We're going to be with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want to toss my crown at his feet. I don't want to live a life that's perverted and not that's not glorifying to the Lord. I don't need that. I don't want that. Neither should you. Look around you. What does this world has have to offer you? Think about it. Paul said, look, they want to 
spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. And so this word spy on in the Greek, it means to make a treacherous investigation. There's their motive. A treacherous investigation into the believing community, into the lives of believers. Is are you do you have freedom in Christ? Oh, I'm telling you, they're gonna come for you. It's either gonna be some pretty woman or it's gonna be some pretty man. But they're gonna come for you. They're gonna come for you. And they're not gonna stop, they're gonna keep coming. Or it's going to be some gift, or it's going to be some promotion, or it's going to be some offer, but they're going to come for you because they want your freedom. And what's amazing is that we don't know, I understand the value of what we have, how valuable. Look, Eleutheros, it means to be unfettered, independent, one capable of movement, the free one. <coughs> Christ unburdened us from all that stuff we were. Well, I, I was a streetwalker, a prostitute. And God cleaned her up so or him up so. I couldn't tell. I could never tell. Or I was this and that. And you don't hear it. They're not going to talk about ministry to homosexuals to women who are in bondage to homosexuality or men who are in bondage to homosexuality who now have freedom in Christ and who live free and walk free. The enemy comes in, you know, they want to curtail, they want to destroy destroy that freedom. But that's the freedom we have in Christ. This is what Paul's anthropology is about. He knows that anything related in any way to man is dismal. And it will what? It will ruin our freedom in Christ. So he writes, as for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. Oh, ain't he bold? Isn't he bold? Isn't it wonderful to hear a man speak like a man and to stand for God? He stands for something wonderful. He added nothing to my message. I love it. So Sunday... God willing, I'm going to continue this topic of anthropology. Good evening. God bless you. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich. Good night.